Hi, I'm Pete. I'm an IT manager. Today, I want to talk about... Pete, heads up. We've been hacked. What happened? My password is my birthday. Everyone knows that. February 14th. Why would everyone... I don't get how these people figure this stuff out. I think I do. Have you ever updated it? Yes. I changed it to Valentine's Day. Okay. We're protected with connection security services. You just got to be more careful, Pete. Okay. Yep. For hardware, software, support, and empathy. For Pete's sake, connect with connection. Hello everyone. So as promised, I'll be doing solos and interviews. Today is this podcast's first interview. Our first guest on the show is our Hyderabad's friendly monk, who is not only known for his supreme sense of patience, but also for his love for humanity and has worked with various communities from a very young age. You ask him for help and he never refuses and he goes over and beyond to help you out. Although he denies to be a busy man, but let me be honest, super busy. It took me two months to get his date for this interview. Now, jokes aside, I think only people with so much of patience can deal with things that he deals with and with total calmness. Let us welcome none other than our Hyderabad's darling, Tashi Choru. Tashi, thank you so much for being here, man. It's such a pleasure to have you as my first guest. Welcome. So how are you today? I'm good. A uh, little intimidated, I think, but good. <laughs> oh, what made you intimidated? <laughs> In a nice way. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's, the first question would be, uh, I'm sure our listeners would want to know. You've been into God and seeking answers for a very, very long time now. So how did it all start and what are the answers that you've been seeking? I mean, I don't know if I was into God, but I certainly was into something uh, more or less often associated with God in this world, I think. Uh, religion or faith or uh, belief uh, in something higher uh, in general. And that's been something what I've been grounded in from the time I was uh, a kid. So it was, there was no incident or there was no particular way I was introduced to it. I was more or less been with it from the beginning, I think. I don't remember a time where I was introduced to it or someone introduced it to me. I always have this whatever uh, connection towards faith. And that's something that I've indulged myself and it indulged me I think for a longer period of time more than anything else in life and uh, well in that sense that also constantly changing and transforming it has never been the same I mean and I don't think it's ever going to be the same honestly for that matter Uh, yeah that way it's something that keeps me grounded keeps me anchored to this life and to this world I think and everything that I does in this world everything that I do in this world so it's a continuous uh, companion that way uh, faith in general is a continuous companion that I always had and uh, mm. that's something that's going to continue to be there I think no matter where I am or what I'm going to do mm. uh, am I seeking answers in it uh, I do not know honestly rather I think I'm always uh, uh, stumbled with many questions in the past rather than answers okay. and uh, I think questions make more sense at times than answers itself answers can come later I think but in to at least have a right frame of questions makes a quite a lot of difference, I think, on the path. 
any path that one is on. Absolutely. I think, I think one needs to know what sort of questions they need answers for. And once they have that determined, I think they can go looking for those answers. And that answers probably will also pop up by themselves. They'll manifest in this world. I mean, unless you have the right question, you have the right frame of the question, and you are asking the question in a right time and in a right way, you really can't see the answer even if it is there right in front of you. And Absolutely. essentially most of the faiths anyway yes. believe that all the answers are within. Yes, yes. More or less all the faiths do believe that answers are within, I think. And uh, even if they are there right within, for you to be able to realize that answer or see that answer, you need to have the question to be asked. Absolutely, and I, I can't agree more. So, in addition to looking for answers, seeking answers, um, you've, you've always been associated with uh, a lot of minority groups, a lot of communities, a lot of causes. Um, can you tell us a bit about what are the causes that you were associated with? I know a few, like you, you were a part of a farmer's movement and, um, and others, etc. Can you just let I us mean, know a bit? I began my, I always wanted to work with people in any capacity, mm -hmm. I think. Right, uh, right. I always enjoyed working with people that way, uh, in my own way. Uh, and of course, once I got into college, I also happened to meet a lot of kind people, generous people who gave me time, space and encouragement to do the kind of work that I want to do, I think. And I began my work with uh, in Telangana uh, with an organization with a group of people who are working on uh, farmer suicides, families where there are farmers committing suicides and suicides happened. And working with those mm -hmm. families was the, work, the first work that I started actually, the first work I engaged with. Mm -hmm. uh, and from then there were many issues that came. I mean. Uh, there was palliative care for a long time that I'm associated with, uh, with one of the palliative care organizations in the city. Um, and ours was the first department in the, for that matter, even then in the United Armed Pradesh or now in Telangana. Uh, yeah, and uh, there was palliative care, then there was housing rights, then there was land rights. Uh, wow. In my own capacity, wherever, whatever, it's more like learning rather than actually working, I think, because I was constantly learning about these things because there's so much happening out there I'm learning itself is uh, quite a task I think rather than I mean Definitely. in the process of course you're doing whatever you can but right. you're more like uh, absorbing the world out there I think observing and absorbing right. both I think right. uh, and that's what I was doing for a longer period of time even now for that matter I do that so yeah, <laughs> yeah there are plenty many issues that always are there it's a difficult world and uh, in a difficult world, there are more challenges, more difficulties. And I think this is a difficult time that we are living in with the really? influx of social media. There's so many, so much of technology evolution. They things are changing every single day. Yeah, I think civilization, human civilization in general, always has that difficulty or challenge as part of its journey. There's no way of not having it I think and uh, there's true. always that friction there's always that conflict and there's always going to be there I think it's how greatly or how skillfully we evolve to engage with that conflict is the more of a thing rather than seeking a time where there's no conflict agreed okay. yeah makes sense so while you were working with these communities what were you what are you takeaways like of the common sufferings in if you if you were to put the general sufferings of people i know there's a lot of inequality there's a lot of 
you know, rich versus poor and stronger versus weaker. But in general, in a very human essence, what are the common sufferings of human beings? Like, how can you, if you want to put it, I mean, classify I think, it? I mean, now, probably because of my Buddhist, I might come from my Buddhist perspective, but even back then when to look at one can very clearly see, I think, if you are open, if you are willing to see what is there right in front of you, around you, mm-hmm. that there is suffering around. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it's important for one to recognize that. Right. There is suffering, there is pain, there is grief, uh, and they are there every way. There is no place, there is no person that you can point out and to say that they don't have it. I mean doesn't matter how uh, convoluted it is, how narrow it is, or how uh, uh, profound it is, how, uh, you know, intense it is, it doesn't matter. It is not about quantifying it, but everyone does have it. There is suffering everywhere. Everyone is uh, going through some kind of suffering. And, but at the same time, of course, like, as much as there is everyone that is going through suffering, but there's also the bunch of people who are... uh, consciously or unconsciously creating that suffering, suffering for, others. for themselves and for everyone else around right. and uh, uh, essentially that kind of uh, work or action by people is something sometimes people realize but also sometimes people don't realize but i actually wanted to talk to talk to you about that suffering that you just mentioned that some people create for themselves and also what are those sort of sufferings if you can just mention a few like what exactly do you mean I don't know. I mean, like, uh, if rich people are constantly uh, working to make themselves better off and make themselves richer and more powerful, they're doing it. And they are probably even successful in doing that, no doubt about it. And uh, they might think that they are, uh, by doing all this, they are actually uh, well off and they are better, they are good, you know, they are Mm -hmm. untouched, they are powerful. Probably they are, no doubt about it. But are they actually by being that powerful entities are how much the and the way they are contributing and building the kind of society they are building how much they are actually are untouchable how much they are actually not vulnerable and not pro to suffering i mean that's something as simple as that one can look at the yesterday's news i think cafe coffee day founder oh, no. killing himself such a sad news yeah you, we all think people at that level are powerful powerful rich untouchable not not vulnerable by anything and they're you know protected taken care of everything in every way but that's not really true is, is it i mean like it no, is uh, not, not i think and uh, as much as they're trying trying to create powerful rich world around themselves people Absolutely. forget to think and have the notion that they need to also continue to continuously contribute to building a world that is more kind, more compassionate, more loving. So whenever you need, you can rely rely on that world. When you are in a place of suffering, you can't really rely just on your riches and power. It does only so much. You should be able to rely on kind, compassionate spaces that you create around you. People around you. And that kind of spaces we are not creating anymore because we think rich and powerful is the only space and that is the ivory tower I'm on and no one is going to touch me but I don't think that is reality <laughs> and that reality is encountered so every true. day by most of us but at end of the day but we still pursue things that a larger world rather even say a larger capitalistic market asks us to pursue that basically like I'm in Hyderabad now and I'm traveling back and forth whenever in the city in the metro, in a bus stop, uh, or anywhere, 
you're constantly being told by advertisements hoardings there's that everything that way what you need to do with your life Absolutely. and we all are constantly actually pursuing that actually pursuing and not knowing that how detrimental it is for our lives yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so uh, you 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 uh, brought in a very interesting topic you said how rich are only trying to uh, uh, be more rich or richer or, and then they are not realizing that the world around them is you know uh, suffering and they they don't want in your in your buddhist uh, monastery in bodh gaya you have a lot of famous and rich people coming in right and what who are they and where are they come, where do they come from like in the is the um, notion of self awareness wisdom meditation self care more in the western because what you talk about as people who are coming from the west to seek more wisdom from india and there are very less number of indians who actually come to seek the wisdom from the wisdom that was born out of india some may say so what i mean uh, in bodh gaya or in dharmsala or wherever uh, uh, there's any kind of uh, or even for that matter not just bodh gaya and dharmsala i think i seeing people in rishikesh haridwar all kind of spiritual spaces that places are considered to be spiritual places uh, they are always there are people who have been coming from far away mm-hmm. far far away doing actually going through difficult journeys i mean some of them would change three flights four flights to get to the place where they want to get to and uh, that is something amazing i think in one sense but also west i mean one cannot talk about west in that unified sense of there's one single west there's no one single west that right, also right right I mean, but also anything outside, outside the Asian, uh, Indian subcontinent or Asian uh, faith tradition or spiritual tradition, there are people who are constantly have been coming here for a long time. I think this is not the first time people are coming, but of course now the number has grown up. There are a lot more people who come in here uh, seeking that. Uh, as much as simply put it in a very plain terms, is wisdom. I think. Right. Uh, you know, are seeking that. Uh, like answers as plainly or seeking something that gives them purpose contentment happiness or nice. helps them in their journey as simple as that i think right. whatever on whatever path they are on so i see plenty of people who come from many plenty many different countries to this country and uh, and then of course people in this very own country won't really uh, care for the rich traditional uh, uh, historical wisdom this this country has generated in course of centuries uh, but that's also because uh, there is west that has gotten to a point where there's a i mean i don't think it's still a peak point of materialism but materialism got into a high point and where people seek some way out of that materialism to make a reason out of that materialism you got saturated you mean yeah right? and then they come here i think but indians all asians for that matter uh, not all asians i think but mostly even as i speak of india we are constantly aspiring to be advanced aspiring to be rich powerful technologically advanced more developed and more developed essentially for a major part of this country or even this country's government mm-hmm. developed essentially means the economy right. the technology uh, technological advancement taller uh, buildings the industries uh, infrastructure this is development but uh, fancy cars yeah i mean but i'm not sure how much is that actually is de- i mean development is development in what sense right. i mean we are far away from even actually contemplating what kind of development are we seeking 
and there's a set notion of development and that you're all running for that development i think states governments people individuals everyone i think and yeah. uh, everybody's in that rush and there's of course there's a bunch of people who seen that development and seen that technological advancement that everything in the west and see how much it is actually not helping them to be uh, happy as simple as that absolutely and they seek it elsewhere and they do that it's not that west doesn't have that wisdom i think west also has seen great philosophers and great teachers uh, yes, but yeah yes. you go seek out elsewhere because things get to a point in your place where you can't really look at anything else other than this mad development well said so coming back um, i know you've taken up buddhism a couple of years ago now and it didn't go very well with your parents when you broke the news to them <laughs> <laughs> right so how what was your reaction and what was their reaction rather i mean i did not have any reaction because i was not expecting my parents to be uh well, how should i put it uh, exactly not to be welcoming, any welcoming about it or encouraging <laughs> about it yes uh, because uh, they are typical middle class telugu speaking indian parents with single child who had certain aspirations for their child essentially which means a stable career marriage children that the scenario and setup and that they always had in their heads about their children i think and uh, suddenly uh, to see that uh, i mean rather it is not suddenly i think because i've never really did fit into that bill uh, of <laughs> yes. expectations and uh, yeah I, as a child as a child as a person in a family i don't tick almost any box mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i mean i don't tick any box there is no conventional education there is no conventional career there is no uh, mainstream uh, uh, you know success as a notion with me and there is mm-hmm. no regular society commoners life yeah society they, fixed boxes that i've you, never ticked any of those bo- right, boxes right. and uh, i can imagine like any parents uh, they would be thrown away not feel say, no nice good or pleasant about it and they'll be challenged and uh, insecurities uh, all kind of things no i mean insecurities at one point but also uh, fear about their own child what right. they are going to do in their life where they are getting and what is what does it mean to them in their life i mean how are they going to live alone in the context of alone because you do not you are not married you are not, do not have children you do not have family in that sense Right. Uh, so that's always uh, i mean like any other parents they are uh, challenged with all that and they have to continue to be Definitely. i mean i don't expect them to get it because they come from a different world and they live in a different world and i live in an entirely different world which i know for a matter of fact right. there's no way of me expecting them to suddenly get what i am doing or uh, i mean it's a decade now i think uh, me constantly surprising them i think <laughs> or rather say me being the difficult child but that's it i'm the difficult child but that doesn't make them any uh, less of being parents so if anyone asks me how my parents are doing i would say they are being parents <laughs> as simple as that I yes think. i heard that the other time and it was so funny they're being parents <laughs> they've been told I mean, they've been told by their parents their grandparents that this is how you are a parent this is how you raise your children this is how you aspire for your children this is how you want your children to be and they're exactly doing that they have been yeah. taught to do this in one or the other sense but not in a formal in education institution too. yeah they're conditioned and they're taught they are given only this kind of narrative and this kind of existence which is possible 
anything other than um, the mainstream as it's not even a possibility it's a not about problem. right or yeah. wrong it's not about it is accepted or not accepted it is doable not doable it is not possible it doesn't come into their gambit it of is not a reality. reality it is not yes. a reality it is an, anything that falls out of this line is basically an illusion right and your child is living in an illusion and uh, you tr- try do your best as a parent to get them out of it wake even wake you, a child up <laughs> even if you need to be violent if you even need to be aggressive but of course that all is done in the name of love love and uh, yeah it's people i mean i think one thing i realized the amount hate as a general notion the general public most of the public whether you're educated or not educated you believe in faith you believe in buddhism or you believe in your own faith hinduism or christianity or you need this doesn't matter you agree that hate is something uh, which is not good anger definitely. hate is something that is not good we all agree definitely but at least hate is not anger we'll say hate is not a good thing it's not a nice thing to have it's not constructive towards anyone basically so then even if we have hate at some point of time towards a particular person particular incident particular situation particular organization we tend not to act on the hate right. because there is some kind of publicly and socially acceptable notion that hate is not good right so then you don't act on your hate you might uh, have hate in your heart in your mind but you don't act it out fair enough but then there is something else you claim love on many things on many mm-hmm. people many situations we claim love mm-hmm. and when you claim love about something about someone about some situation you feel entitled to do anything on the name of that love you can be as plain as that forcefully marry your child to someone because you love them and you know what is good for them you can house arrest them and tell them what they need to study because you love them and you know what is best for them right uh, you can uh, you know dictate someone's entire life and existence because mm-hmm. you love them mm-hmm. and it is easy to do mm-hmm. things on the name of such kind of love and it is acceptable it is encouraged it is acceptable it is uh, celebrated in a very uh a uh, simpler realistic way in this world i think right, right. and people do that and uh, it is much more easy to do the things that you want to do as soon as you label it love Absolutely. rather than yeah you don't need to do anything on hate now anymore you do i mean people in this country do things because they love their country they love their country you can go kill other country people other soldiers whatever armies because you love your country uh you can uh, kill people <laughs> of other faith because you love your faith you can uh, you know kill someone from other caste because you love your caste your honor your, your family daughter, your daughter your and son. everyone yes i mean you you can do more violence in this world on the name of love than on the name of hate i think and just that, don't call it hate give it love yeah because you love yourself you're killing the other person yeah i mean that and i need the problem is solved and in all their senses that love is actually true for them i love my faith i love my country i love my children i love my family i love my caste my uh, beliefs i mean there is for, for them this is a reality there and is, there's a flip side they hate everyone else i mean i mean it's not even it, it's not even i don't think they look at it as hate i think they would look at it rather i am being protective of my loved ones i'm being protective of my love that mm-hmm. could be my faith my people my family my notions doesn't matter i'm being protective of my love i mean and then you can do anything on that love even to people you love right or people right. whom you do not love on the name of being protective i mean that's 
interesting, I think, but also because that comes from the convoluted notion of what we think love is, I think, in general. And that's a problematic thing in this kind of world. We are Absolutely. doing everything in the name of love and Absolutely. that way there's no conversation around it. Definitely. I mean, so true, so true. Everybody starts to think that they're, the self-righteousness that yeah. they have, that they possess, that I know what I'm doing is right. Yeah. I was very well depict, depicted in uh, one of the movies recently that Amir Khan had made called Superstar. Okay. Um, it was shown of a particular religion, but I'm pretty sure it exists throughout all the religions and all the castes where the fathers or the mothers, the parent as such, knows what is best for their child. They get them, like you said, they get them married to the particular person, like arranged marriages. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, well, 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 point, well said, yeah. Thanks, thanks for that. It's, it's already a few minutes and we have <laughs> dived so deep into the conversation. So, um, I, these sufferings, uh, now people who force other people are the perpetrators or perpetrators can be a very strong word, but then people who push other people to do something and but there are also the other side where people have to suffer because of these people the other people who oppress them or or force them to do things and they go through a lot of struggle mentally because they are they come from a position of weak as a child or as a society as a student they come from a place of weakness and they go through a lot of mental uh, disturbance so i mean i'm going to do a lot of podcast series about mental health issues but what is it that you we need to see in both sides we can't just see people who oppressed and start talking to them stop oppressing we need to tell people who get oppressed as well we need to um, give them means to take care of themselves to struggle through to fight through to stand up to those oppressors even oppressor is probably, I mean, people who listen to as a father, if, if a father listens to me saying an oppressor, he might feel offended. I'm not saying you're enough, that person is an oppressor. I'm saying a strong person and a weak person. Now, the weak person goes through mental health. You, do you have any sort of help or tips or how to cope? I mean, well, there is suffering that's, I think no one denies that. No right. one denies uh, the fact that there is suffering in this world and there is suffering in one's life and there is suffering in around, all around. No one denies that, that's true, but of course, well, Buddhism says that we are creators of our own suffering. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's true, no doubt right. about it. But for me, coming from a uh, political, social background, socio-political background and context and uh, connecting it with faith, I do see two things here. One is, of course, one need to... There the, are the two things that need to be focused here, I think. One is the mind, the state of mind of the particular individual. Right. In the context. And there is a state of mind of a larger being at work, which I call society. Mm -hmm. Which is, for me, from where I stand and look at it, is society is a very organic, larger being for me it's right. constantly growing right. evolving changing but also it, it has a say as mm -hmm. a society we have a say mm -hmm. I, even if that as a society what we have a say is even if it is inflicting suffering on myself mm -hmm. it still has a say and i still buy that what society has to say because Definitely. that is a society i live in that yes. is a society that i depend on so and it is a society essentially that 
on it works on many levels in, on many things but also it works by relying on power right and notion of power right and there is powerful there's powerless in every context in every, every situation every situation there's always that i mean all our relationships all our existence works on that notion of power there's always a powerful being in our life whether it is state government as simple as that or whether it is parents when you're a child or whether it is husband when you're married or whether it is your boss when you are working in your office or whether it is as simple as a police person on the street when you are a commoner or uh, whether it is rich neighbor that living next mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. there is always a powerful entity in your place and that entities again have powerful entities Definitely. and we all operate in that structure of power in a very structural systematic setup of that power right. and uh, we all need to live in the dictated lines of that power absolutely and when you challenge that power it is of course even before you challenge the power i think the ones in the power are constantly trying to make sure that power remains intact right at least to begin with or it becomes more powerful to aspire it to be more powerful or at right. least to begin with it need to be intact it right. need to be taken care of that power need to live through and survive and sustain right to keep the system going on and we all live in that kind of system nonetheless i and we all are subject to that power and we are all also so we are subjected to that power and also we are people who subject someone else to that power absolutely we all have that kind of screwed up setup i think in that sense no mm-hmm. one is an escape from that no one can escape from that so right. one thing you address in a larger level that power what does right. this power mean yes what can it be what is it doing what is it not doing and how is it harming what kind of society is it building and creating and do i want this kind of power in place right do i want to operate through a system and structure of power mm-hmm. or do i want to operate through a system and structure of love compassion kindness and equality all these things as much as they are all whatever nice fancy notions we think they are how it much they are realities in our life yes. or how much power is the actual reality in our life yes. that is something we need to all look into but then the other way if we are addressing the individual talking to the individual engaging with the individual well of course understanding and acknowledging the person is going through what they are going through is important mm-hmm. for themselves for us to acknowledge it and for their person to acknowledge it themselves that we are going through a difficult time and there is no one single way of addressing it i think because there is no one single thing that causing this particular suffering i think as much as we all like to point out one cause for our suffering i don't think that's a reality i mean of course the one thing might trigger it but i think suffering itself in our life as a larger thing is dependent on many things right and it's not one single thing i think and uh, when that is a kind of is a reality in our life there's no one single thing that can address it there's no one single therapy session there's no one single you know uh, 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 motivational whatever thing or no right. one single faith it can't work that way i think it again goes back to the question at an individual level how do i address the individualist point but again as an individual what kind of mechanism as individuals the one in the place who is suffering the one place who is helping out how do we create a space that we all can rely on how do we create a space that we can 
take care of each other absolutely and nurture each other and yes. protect each other and feel safe with each other right i that kind of space is something what we don't have because we are no we are all busy in creating powerful spaces we are yes. not we are not wanting or willing to create spaces that are kinder and compassionate right. because kindness and compassion is also world has come to a point where they look at them as a weaker emotions true and you look at when you're constantly in a place where you want to create powerful emotions and true. you think that power also protects you true. so and that is something that need to be challenged and also changed i think but also it's a long work but meanwhile while we do that i think the task is take care of someone as much as you can be right. there for someone who is in not a good state of mind as simple as that i right. mean you don't need to provide solutions you don't need to do anything be simply present be simply there and give them the assurance that you are there as simple as that if one is able to do that and that's great i think and that itself is challenging for the world we live in i think yeah i i think it's a great point people generally don't know that there is someone who would care for them genuinely that everybody doubts the other person there is no more that oh i can go to this person and talk to this person without being judged without being you know subject to scrutiny or without um, look, being looked at in a in a, in a different shade yeah. and it's i think very important point when you just said that yes um, we need to ensure that people around us know that, that this there is an ecosystem that we are trying to build where you can come and be yourself talk and just don't talk whatever it is just be comfortable and i think at simple level for me how can i tell someone that i am there for you i need to learn that i need to constantly learn that that is so and so because important. it doesn't come easily it doesn't happen just like that out of nowhere i need to consciously willingly learn how empathetically and how realistically and genuinely i can tell someone and actually have them actually believe that actually i am there for you as simple as a statement i am there for you how do i learn to say that absolutely and the other person also need to learn when you hear someone saying that how to trust it definitely it's yes. it, it's it's a constant learning for all of us i think one who is suffering one who is not suffering but anyway i don't think there's anyone who is not suffering in the world Uh, everybody is so at some level we all need to realize that i mean as buddhist in, in buddhism we say as simple one simple reality we ask all of us to constantly remind our teachers constantly say to remind is that there is no single being in this world that wants suffering and there is no single being in this world that doesn't want happiness True. that is so as good. simple as a common connection with everyone else that lives around you from absolutely a single cell organism to i think multicellular organisms and multi organ organisms there is no one who wants suffering and there is no one who wants not to have happiness not to be happy everyone Very wants true. to be free of suffering and everyone wants to be happy and this is what uh, once you realize that i think it makes so much of a difference how you connect how you relate how you look at other people how you look at your own self for that matter changes so much i think absolutely very well said so yeah adding on to it um i was just thinking what what does your take on spiritualism and religion mm-hmm. and uh, would you encourage people to try it because my father keeps saying if nothing works out mm-hmm. faith does <laughs> when nothing works out faith does and i i think it at some level at, at many levels in fact it is very true because when all your doors start shutting on you and i'm sure everybody goes through that particular phase you start believing you need to have that hope 
you need to have that belief that there is something beyond your comprehension that it's going to intervene at one point in time and like they say uh, foresight is not 2020 hindsight is always 2020 right so when you look back upon what has happened you say oh this is why it has happened right so what is your take on spiritualism and would you encourage people to you know find and seek answers and use the empathy and love as factors that we have to make this world a better place i mean i agree when everything doesn't work faith works but when i say i agree with that i also mean i look at faith over there in a different context i think when nothing is working in the world in your life having that faith in anything mm. whatever that might be i think there's something that anchors you know there's something that you can hold Definitely. on to i mean i can have that faith uh, if I'm a scientist, I would have that faith on my science. Right. If my, all my experiments are failing, I still have that whatever even a single glimpse of faith on my science. You know, True. I keep trying. So there's that faith. True. If I'm uh, an academic person, I have that faith in my philosophy that I'm studying. Right. If I, I can have that faith on the family, mm -hmm. biological, non-biological, nonetheless. I can have that faith on my friends. I can have that faith on my workplace. I can I, I mean that faith is something huge and vast and it can encompass so much yeah. and you don't need to have that faith only at with one single thing True. and but to have that faith on anything in a point and at a time where you are in despair where you are hopeless to just to still have that faith makes so much of difference I think and Absolutely. that faith could be on anything I think kind of uh, not necessarily on religion. Some people it is religion. Some people it is some kind of spirituality. For some people it's something else entirely. And that is perfectly fine. But I think we all are beings of faith. We all have faith in something. True. We won't we won't exist and survive and live and do things in life that we do if you do not have faith on something. As much as that, if I am going to a movie this weekend, mm -hmm. I have faith on the director or the cast <laughs> of that movie. Yeah. I mean... Yes. I have faith in them that they actually they actually have created something nice and I'm going to go enjoy it. So if I have faith in Buddhism, the faith is that Buddha has said something 2,500 years back and 600 years back. I think that is uh, uh, rele re relevant to me till date and that is going to help me in some way and that is something I can rely on mm -hmm. and I have that faith. So, right. I mean, th there is faith in the materialistic world, there is faith in the spiritual world, there is faith everywhere. But the whole point is that what do I have my faith is what matters, I think. Right. We all are beings of faith, no matter what, what we are, what we are doing, not doing. But what do we what do I root my faith in? Right. And that essentially makes a difference. How much is that faith is helping me and not helping me? Mm -hmm. I can put my faith on anger, mm -hmm. like most parents these days do. The only way of disciplining my child is through anger. And there's that unsaid or unspoken faith in anger. Some everyone most of them think that it helps them. Right. But does it actually help or not helps is right. something else. So the point is not about having faith, not having faith. What do you have faith in is a point. True. Is it anger that you have faith in? Is it love you have faith in? Or is it the neighbor that you have faith in? Or is it someone else that you met on internet, worlds apart, right. timelines apart? Is that right. someone you have faith on? I mean, like, who is that you keep your faith in? Is what makes a difference, I think. And I keep my faith in... As much as I keep my faith in Buddhism, I keep my faith in 
plenty many other things in the world i keep my faith in my friends my uh, colleagues that i used to work with uh, my fellow activists uh, in general i try and have that faith on almost all the people i meet right all the situations i live through because what i realized in my life if i do not have that faith i at least as simple as the benefit of doubt that i can have faith on this person like mm-hmm. i get on i take an auto from your place today to go to the place where i need to go i need to have faith on this auto driver that he's going to drive and make me reach my destination safe if i do not have that faith so this works on such a con- subconscious level that it faith no i need to i need to like i sometimes we don't sometimes we look at someone and we can say that i can't have faith in this person which is fine right which then is, you which is safeguard fine. yourself protect yourself and you do what is necessary to take care of yourself in the process so you faith as a concept as complex as profound it is at one level it is as simple as it in our everyday life i think right. and that need to be looked at that way you need to right. begin looking at that way i think and do i encourage people to go out i mean try spirituality different kind of spiritualities different kind of religions and faiths and all that if that is something you want to try try but i would say like religion religion is an organized faith and a faith in certain thing right science is also an organized faith i would say end of the day they are organized in certain organized in around certain principles certain beliefs and there's a faith in those beliefs and of course there might be disagreements between religion and science that's a different thing altogether i think but religion is an organized institution and the institution is organized around faith and that faith is on rooted on different things different religions have those mm-hmm. faith rooted on different things mm-hmm. and uh, one need to understand when you want to approach religion or faith for that matter faith that is essentially institutionalized when you want to engage with it you need to understand that this is a institutionalized thing it's an institution in itself it works in certain way and that it has been constructed developed created by humans in a long course of history doesn't matter how old the institution it is yes it still has flaws it still has problematic notions and uh, things that you might not agree with everything in it so you need to be you, cognizant of those flaws you, and just you simply cannot go there wanting to seek all the answers right you can go there with an open mind that there is something there correct and i just want to check if that something that is there mm-hmm. is going to help me or not mm-hmm. is it going to serve my purpose mm-hmm. or be any relevant to my existence or not if it is great you dwell into it you figure out what works what doesn't work you engage what you need to engage and you step back what you don't what you can't engage with you need to do all that but you need to end of the day go with open mind that there is something that i want to engage with right. it is not you can't go with a mindset that i am seeking answers and i want to find my answers here right right absolutely i just, because so, it's it's like anything that you do in your life right your new job your new college first day in the college you have difficulties you have problems you have challenges and you don't like certain things which is fine you don't need to like everything to work with it i remember one of my teacher used to say if you have headache you don't cut off your head you treat it you treat it you deal with it you figure out what to do with it simply if you have problems with religion and faith you yeah. deal with it you engage with it you don't just cut it off and say it is not working yes. then that way there's a problem with the entire institution of family institution of education institu- every institution doesn't have problem and challenges in it 
And why do you want to just get rid of it? You don't want to. You brought such a beautiful topic right now. I mean, you don't want to get rid of it. You it can't. Is. It doesn't work that way. So it's you so true. work with it. You deal with it. And of course, no doubt, religion has been discriminating. Religion has been challenging. Religion has been violent. Like, but which institution has not been violent? Which institution has not been discriminatory in the world? I mean, point out to one and tell me. Then we'll think we can discard religion and faith also. Uh, faith in the religion. But that's a that also means when you have faith, like this is for everyone who is engaging with certain kind of faith or this is someone who is wanting to engage with a certain kind of faith, I think one need to be very clear, being part of some faith, being part of a religious group, being part of a spiritual group, necessarily or actually never doesn't mean not questioning it. Yeah, you brought two very, very important points here. One is blind faith and the other one is compassionate. If all every party involved who is who is going for seeking answers, they need to be critical of not mm-hmm. over critical, critical as in my faith requires me to be critical. Absolutely. There can't be no faith of which you can't be critical about. Absolutely. Because you're constantly engaging with that faith. You know, you arrive at a point of faith only by being critical with it. Definitely. You can't. So you I mean, can't like, have blind faith. As much as everyone attributes to Buddha saying that, you know, do not believe in my teachings blindly, check them like a goldsmith checks gold before deciding the quality of it. And you simply check, analyze my teachings before you arrive at a conclusion to rely on them or not rely on them. You right. do not listen to them just because I say them. And simply that is applicable to everything I think. To our own faith, just because I believe in certain kind of faith, doesn't mean I need to give in myself completely in a way where I have no critical thinking left out. No analyzing, no questioning, no challenging the notions. I mean, those are essentially what make us thinking rational beings. And that critical thinking is important of everything in our life. Absolutely. And the critical thinking essentially doesn't mean trying to prove someone right, someone wrong. wrong. It is about to see what is right in the given context and situation for you. What works for you, what doesn't work for you. Sometimes I can't rationalize certain things. I mean, does that mean that's completely nonsense? I don't think so. For me, probably it is, I can't rationalize it because my rationality itself is constantly growing and evolving. It has limitations, it has flaws. I am not this Rational being where my rationality has answered for everything in the world. It doesn't. So it's important to understand our own limitations when we are engaging with faith. And also important to understand the limitations of the faith itself that we are engaging in. Because the faith exists in this world and faith has limitations. So engage it what you want to engage. But not because you believe it has every answer in it. But because Mm. you think it has something to offer. As simple Mm. as that. And that... It's a journey for all of us with any faith that we want to engage with. Absolutely. Wow. Wow, it's been absolute pleasure talking to you and such a profound Thank discussion. It, and and I definitely I know for sure that we're gonna keep continuing <laughs> to spread love and empathy that is there. And we just need to figure out how to do it and how strategic can we be. How skillful can we be? How skillful can we be? Thanks for taking time out. Really, really appreciate you uh, taking time out during your vacation. And I know your, <laughs> one of your closest friends is coming down in, uh, down today. Thanks. Thanks again, Tashi. Thank and, you. Thank uh, you for having me. Thank you for doing this. Pleasure. 
Looking for a way to make online learning a better option for your family? When it comes to virtual learning, experience matters. Tuition-free K-12-powered schools are ready to put over 20 years of experience to work for you, giving your child the personalized learning they deserve without disruptions. With a K-12-powered school, students gain the skills they need to be prepared for their next steps in life, building a better future for each one of us. K-12, education for anyone. Learn more at k12.com.